When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the rumors are true. You know what that music means. I'm Ben. And I'm Scott. And we are joined today, as always, uh, by our super producer, Noel the Ghoul. Noel the Ghoul Brown. That's great, man. Yeah. Uh, well, tis the season. Tis the season, indeed, Scott. Today, we are uh, we are coming to you on the Tuesday before Halloween. So if you're hearing this when it comes out, you're just a few days away from... Uh, a, a weekend that some people love and a weekend that some people hate. Yeah. Thus, the creepy topic for today. Yes, the creepy topic for today. Before we get to it, though, Scott, I do have a question. Okay. Were you, like, an active Halloween trick-or-treater when you were a kid? Yes, very much yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as long as I could stay out and, uh, you know, we're talking, like, pillowcase full of candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a blast. Loved it. How about yeah. you? Oh, yeah. I loved it when I was a kid as well. You know, I've learned that you can't do that after a certain age. Yeah. That's true. What's that age? 30? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. I'll, I'll try this year and report back. Okay. I'll try this weekend. Uh, yeah, but the, the thing is that we have, as you guys know, we have looked into true crime before. And we've looked into even spooky urban legends, right? Ghost stories. And because this is the best time of the year to do this, we're going to look at some i don't know what do you think the right word would be scott or the right phrase i, I like infamous but mm-hmm. uh but we've already used that we've we've had another show that's infamous cars right uh, this is along the same lines maybe uh oh boy maybe the sequel maybe ah something like that dark cars yeah that sounds that sounds like a horror movie that yeah. would be on netflix right now and i guess this would be a good time to point them to that older episode um that was called infamous cars and that was recorded a couple of years ago. I think it was January 29th of 2013. Mm-hmm. You can find that on our, our website, carstuffshow.com. And in that podcast, we mention a great deal of, uh, of infamous cars, cars that were instrumental at some dark point in history. Yeah, either, uh, you know, they had... Uh, some kind of type of crime history to them. They were owned by somebody who sure. was infamous themselves. Right. Uh, you know, just the cars of uh, of legend, I suppose. You know, um, 
Uh, let's see, who do we have? I mean, we've got so many here that there's no way we can list these. But like the car that was involved in Princess Diana's fatal crash, or sure. um, O.J. Simpson's Bronco, or David Koresh's Camaro. Right, the cars of serial killers, the cars where famous people died, such as the uh, the drive-by vehicles of Tupac Shakur, Notorious B.I.G., uh, of course, the presidential limo for JFK, those kind of things. Yeah, Ted Bundy's car, um, you know, the DC sniper's car, Bonnie and Clyde's car. All right. those are there. There's there's literally a list here in front of me of about 30 cars <laughs> that I listened to the old episode and, and wrote those down because today we're going to try not to duplicate any of those vehicles in the, in this list. So we're going right. to make an attempt. But man, I feel like a couple of my have to mention, but I, I I think we'll just pass it up because I've got a bunch of examples of of cars that were. Uh, somehow infamous, you know, they were used in, uh, in, in crimes or, um, you know, people did horrible things with them or horrible right. things in them. And again, this is all a Halloween type thing. So some of the stuff, and you know, we don't often say this, but, but some of the stuff that we're going to talk about here might get into PG territory. Right. You got young yeah. kids in the car that might ask some questions or mm-hmm. something. We're going to keep it clean. I'm just warning you up front that, you know, there'll be some terms thrown out there of what some of these serial killers did that, you know, maybe you don't want your kids listening to. It's it's right. one of those shows. Right. P- it, let's call it PG-13. It's PG-13. And then we'll also talk about um, not not just killer cars, but there there's some other stuff out there. I think we we mentioned before the... Uh, we mentioned before the cars of some dictators, so we'll, yeah. we'll look into that. And, when, yeah. and one other thing that I think I need to point out is that at the end, I want to. There's a different angle on this whole thing too. Yeah, and uh, and a slightly different twist on this. It's an older article that we'll talk about, but it's um it's about a, a secret junkyard. Mm-hmm. And I'll say no more. I, I think that's it. We're yeah. just gonna leave it at that. There's a secret junkyard that we're gonna talk about at the end. Uh, so hang on for that as well. Yeah, hang on for that part or fast forward to it because, man, it is a fascinating topic. Well, don't tell them that, Ben. we gotta, we got to have them listen to all of these cars because these cars have a fascinating history, too. Right. Well, the second part of the show won't make sense unless you hear this part. That's true. Is that an okay say? Uh, you've recouped. <laughs> still, I'm still a few points down. Let's see if I can get back up to even. I feel like we're in Vegas, huh? Yeah. Uh, okay, so will you do the honors, Scott? Well, sure. Okay, we can talk about a... A type of vehicle in general, and, I, and this is uh, an unusual way to start, but think about this. In uh, in Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. uh, 1930s, all of the Nazi Gestapo and the French Mafia drove the same type of vehicle. And we're talking about Citron Traction Avant vehicles. And uh, and it's unusual that, you know, they would all kind of select the same vehicle. But take a look at the car. You'll maybe understand what I mean. This is, a, yeah. uh, this is like a gangster car, really. Right. Now, this is a car that was not really noteworthy for its uh, for its beauty, but it did have legendary performance. So this is a a car that you know you could get in and out of town quickly. Um, it handled better than anything else on the road at the time. It had um, hydraulic brakes, independent suspension, um, a self-supporting body, and of course it was very expensive as well. So you know not everybody could afford this, but of course the French mafia could, and of course the, <laughs> the Nazi Gestapo, of course. You know, they've got money coming in from, uh, well, you know where they're getting their money. Mm-hmm. Right. So interesting vehicle, um, but, uh, you know, kind of funny that they would uh, both gravitate towards this one type of vehicle to use for, uh, you know, whatever purpose they had. Yeah, the that's very strange. So, you know, it got to the point where they would see, you know, the citizens would see these vehicles pull up and they would know that something bad is going to happen, you know, oh, when it man. arrives because, you know, one way or the other. Yeah, but that's a fancy car, Scott. I've got a severely unfancy car. Okay. And a pretty dark one. So you always hear those stories about creeps driving around in vans, right? Sure. 
Well, Jeffrey Dahmer, a serial killer and cannibal that we can all agree was quite a creep, he had a uh, blue van that he used to drive around and, and troll to uh, pick up people. Oh, boy. Victims. This is so fitting, doesn't it? I mean, he fit, it fits the stereotype. Mm-hmm. At the time, he, it was because he was working for a floral delivery company that had vans and this became a um this became part of the link in the disappearance and murder of uh Adam Walsh you know the 7 year old whose yeah, death inspired the uh, America's most wanted i don't know if they ever got to the bottom of that if there ever was any connection or any tie in with the Adam Walsh case or not i'm not sure they they suspected Dahmer in it he was linked to it yeah. but he never claimed responsibility for it it doesn't really fit his mo it's just that the floral company he was working for had blue vans yeah. and a blue van had been identified um during the time of Adam Walsh's disappearance yeah he was abducted from a mall I believe right. well, he was shopping yeah. with his mother. He's playing a video game or something like that. And, mm-hmm. uh, oh, that's an awful, awful story. But, um, I, I've got another one for you, Ben. Okay. All right. So this is an unusual one and it's a, it's a great car. Um, but it was used in an infamous heist. Um, this is the 1963 Ford Lotus Cortina. And, uh, this is, a, this is a, uh, again, an infamous car that was used by, a guy in the uh, 1963 Great Train right. Robbery. Yeah, Bruce Reynolds. Yeah, Bruce Reynolds. And this is uh, this is in relation to a seven million dollar cash heist that happened. This, uh, this great train robbery in 1963. Seven million bucks. Right, and they didn't get all of that. It's it's funny. Weirdly enough, I was checking out this one too before we went on the air. So why was this so clever? Well, be Cortina. Well, because well, I don't know the exact reason, but of course it's a it's a fast car, right. um, and this is the mastermind of the whole plan. He drives that. The rest of the crew used Land Rovers to get away, but they were apprehended. Yeah, the people who were using the Land Rovers were apprehended. Um, they're the majority of them. Was there more to it than that, Ben? Was there something that made him even more clever to use the Ford, the, the Cortina? Well, I think it's because as soon as they identified the Land Rovers... Ah, see, he wasn't part of the whole... He wasn't part of it. Ah, I see. Yeah. I, I get it. All right, so he, uh, I think he um, made his way to Mexico, right? He escaped, lived in Mexico for a while, yes. um, Canada, and even France... Uh, but then he, this is so dumb. He returned to Britain for a work opportunity. And, uh, of course they nabbed him then at that point, but right. he, he did 10 years in prison and then he was released. And I don't know. Started playing with his son's band. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama exactly right. Three. Yeah. So $7 million gets away in a Ford Cortina, uh, Ford Lotus Cortina. Pretty yeah. smart move on his part. Uh, but it's also interesting there because it makes me think, you know, Reynolds referred to that train robbery. Which we could do an entire podcast on as the, his Sistine Chapel. And I, I feel like when he came back, although he was allegedly running low on money from the last robbery, when he finally came back to Britain, it was for the love of the game more so than the money. As strange as that sounds. Yeah. He wanted to do another legendary train robbery. This is like an Ocean's Eleven type story, right? I just, yeah, I just. Hey, do I have that one right? I mean, maybe it's a is different it Ocean's Twelve. It, I don't know. It could be one of those movies, you know. But it's like uh, just one more heist, you know. Just, yeah, just right. one more, just uh, just to do it uh, for the adrenaline or whatever. Okay, the next one I have is a. This is again just a general style of vehicle, and I'll tell you why that it's just a general style, not a specific vehicle. Okay. Do you remember the case of the Zodiac Killer? Yes. Okay. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking Terrorizing about. Terrorizing California in the 1960s, mid-1960s, and supposedly the Zodiac Killer was spotted or seen, you know, the cars around the scenes. Right. 
1966 Chevy Impala that was white in color. And here's the problem. Chevy Impalas, white Chevy Impalas specifically, enormously popular in this time. Yeah. Of the 1966 model, they sold something like a million of them. And I'm not joking. A million of these were out there. So, of course, everybody's calling in tips about who they think the Zodiac Killer is along the way. And because it was such an... uh, a, Everybody sees it. Yeah, yeah, like a vanilla car or whatever. I'm sure that the Zodiac Killer was secretly laughing about this the whole time. You know, like, uh, you know, s- pulled one over on the police again. And the uh, the Zodiac Killer at the time of this recording remains uncaught with the cases being declared inactive uh, a few years back. Yeah, the San Francisco PD um, said in, I think, 2004 um, it went inactive at that point. So, um, again, got away with it. Got away with yep, it. Yep, got away with it. All right, here's one that if you are a fan of Boardwalk Empire, you're going to like this next <laughs> one. There was a, a real-life Nucky that, uh, that existed in Atlantic City back in the 1920s, and his name was Enoch Nucky Johnson, not Thompson, as they portray him in, in uh, Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. And so this character, as you can imagine, if you watch the series, you'll know that he drives around in a very flashy Rolls-Royce it's not exactly like the one that he actually drove, though. He drove a 1920 Rolls Royce Silver Ghost, uh-huh. and um, they've pretty much they said he they've pretty much got the character spot on the way that he really was. He was that um, flamboyant. He was the guy that really was running Atlantic City at the time. I mean, the mayor, sure, mm-hmm. doing his thing, but this is the guy that's the one that's supplying all of Atlantic City with booze during Prohibition. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what what a life this guy must have had. Now, th- this Rolls-Royce had a $14,000 sticker price in 1920, uh, which was <laughs> right. equivalent, uh, they say, of 50 Model T cars. Right. And to be specific, if we would like to run the numbers and calculate that, $14,000 in 1920 is worth approximately 173, almost $174,000 today. Wow. Unbelievable. Now his, uh, the, his salary or his, uh, what he was bringing in, I wouldn't say salary because, you know, he's making money in a lot of different places. This guy was bringing in something like a half a million dollars a year in 1920, which is approximately about $5 million a year. So That's this guy crazy. was really, really wealthy. Of course, drove a flashy vehicle, you know, just just lived the whole life. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And if you watch, you know, what that character does on screen, mm-hmm. uh, you got a real idea for what the real Nucky Johnson was like in, in Atlantic City back in the 1920s. Um, here's one that we may or may not have mentioned. I just want to say it anyways, either way. Okay. Al Capone's car. Ah, yes. Al Capone's car. I, I, I was wondering if we had mentioned that one, too, because... This car is legendary. 1928 Cadillac sedan. First off, it's beautiful. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. 
Papertarians know that it's the smart choice too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Uh, I would I would be scared to drive one just because <laughs> just because it would be like um, I'm a big I'm a big believer in don't play with things you can't afford to break. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so this, well, this one is not so fragile, as you'll find out, because he added quite a bit to this to make it uh, um more to suit his lifestyle, I guess, right? Yeah, you're reading my mind yeah. <laughs> because I was gonna, I was gonna say though, I, we could get in an accident in this and you and I would be just fine. He has inch thick bulletproof glass. Yeah, all around. Of course, that's important for a gangster like Al Capone. Mm-hmm. 3,000 pounds of steel armor plating that he added to the vehicle. Um, he also had secret compartments for, you know, guns and all that kind of stuff. And then he had, kind of like uh, trap doors installed in this vehicle where they could, you know, release uh, like tax onto the road or yeah. drop oil onto the road to create an oil slick. It's like, it's like a, um, like a spy car. Yeah. It had a, a, a real police siren in the wheels to impersonate the cops. And interesting thing for our tech fans here, uh, had what is believed to have been the first police radio receiver. Yeah, that's right. And I think that this car was called into service as well, right? First civilian radio receiver. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's right. Yeah, good point. And uh, and this car was called into service because following the bombing of Pearl Harbor, FDR used this car for his own personal vehicle. Right. Yeah. Or the vehicle that he was chauffeured around in, rather, because mm-hmm. it was built so well, so safe, and uh, you know had all the stuff that they'd already needed. Of course, they'd confiscated it from Capone at this point um, and sent him off to Alcatraz, I believe. Right, and later this car went to a private owner, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it was sold at auction, a British auction, um, in around 2006, I believe. And um, there's rumor that there might be another Capone Cadillac out there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Do you give any credence to that? I don't know, because they say it's it's in a basement somewhere in Chicago, which, of course, right. is where he operated. Um, they also say that you know the building on top of it was demolished, but the basement is still there with uh, this Capone Cadillac is mm-hmm. intact. So I don't know. I, I like to believe that it's out there, but I don't know. I, I really don't buy into it too much. Yeah, I, it seems very plausible that there would be more than one modified car, you know, just because if you're a, a mafioso at that time, you yeah. have, if you're a gangster, you need to have these contingency plans. However, well, you're flush with cash, too. Yeah. 
Why not? What's so, another car? Yeah, what's another Cadillac? Right. I mean, how often have we asked ourselves that question? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it seems to me plausible that there would be a second one, but it doesn't seem plausible that it would have been just left and forgotten. That's true. That's it true. seems like somebody might, it might be somebody's secret car, you know? Could be. Uh, so let's talk about some dictators, Scott. Oh, great. Former and present. You recall earlier we talked about the many cars of the, um, the Kim dynasty in North Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't talk about the Shah of Iran. Oh, no, we didn't. The Shah of Iran, uh, well, the former Shah of Iran, had such a huge car collection that listing them all would take our episode. We would have to make an episode about it. Mm-hmm. There's a national car museum in the capital of Iran, in Tehran, and it's made up of cars that were owned by Iran's former rulers. Most of the cars are were formerly the cars of the Shah and his family. And, of course, remember the Shah was overthrown, and revolutionaries pretty much took all those cars, put them in storage, and made a museum. But most of them are in storage because they can't – there's so many that they can't put them out. The museum's not big enough is what I'm saying. isn't it? Yeah. So, His collections uh, amounted to thousands of vehicles. Right? Yeah. yeah. Rolls-Royce and Mercedes were his favorites. And, of course, if you're a dictator, you have to have a Mercedes, man. <laughs> of course. It's do. it's like some weird rule. Is it also gold by any chance? <laughs> that's a different, that's <laughs> a different shot. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it's funny because earlier we were talking about the uh, stereotypes that people might associate with certain cars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and my my personal prejudices aside, one thing that seems interesting is that dictators seem to gravitate toward Mercedes. Yeah, it's a real thing. It really is. It's true. I mean, Saddam Hussein had one, of course, um, that that looked just like was it Jack Nicholson's car that was parked next to you at the Peterson, yeah, I believe, yeah. uh, almost identical. Uh, yeah, it seems like it's a, it's a funny thing, but they really do gravitate towards that brand for some reason. Of course, Mercedes limos we're talking about. Right. Yeah. And there's another one here that's actually a pretty nice car owned by a different dictator. Who would that be? That would be Benito Mussolini, the proud owner of a 1932 Alfa Romeo Monza. Not bad. Not bad. Not a bad car. Bad no, guy. Bad not, guy. Bad Great guy, not a, not, a, not a bad car. Wow. Uh, yeah, because he um, he had his own racing and engineering team, apparently. What? Yeah. And... Uh, he also is an Alfa Romeo fan, Scott. He also drove an Alfa Romeo 6C2300 Pescara Spider. This is all news to me, Ben. I, I've never heard of uh, Mussolini and his tie-in with racing. Instead of a normal chauffeur, he hired a guy named Ercole Barato, a former Alfa Romeo factory test driver. No kidding. You know, yeah. and it, you know, it seems like, well, I mean, that's one way to go. Sure, that's that's really cool to do that, I guess, but um, I if he's that interested in cars and that interested in racing, you think that he might drive himself instead hey. of having a driver, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it might be a security thing though. Oh, it too. could be, could be. And I guess if you're going to have a driver, you might as well make it a, a test driver. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Saddam Hussein, just for the record regarding our earlier statement, he had a Mercedes S 600 limo. Oh, all right. Got to have the Mercedes, man. Take a look online. You'll see it. It's a, it's a pretty incredible car, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about that one at length, I think, for a while. I mean, that yeah. and also Jack Nicholson's car. Was right, crazy. right. Yeah. Um, okay, i got one here that's uh, it's a little different on this okay. list. This is a Ryder truck. And you might remember this Ryder truck, the specific Ryder truck, 
uh, from a terrible event that happened back in April of 1995 here in the United States in Oklahoma. This was uh, used in the Oklahoma bombing. Timothy McVeigh drove this vehicle. And, uh, of course, he loaded it up with a uh, uh, mixture of fertilizer and diesel fuel and other deadly chemicals and then mm-hmm. uh, bombed uh, the Alfred P. Murrah building in downtown Oklahoma City. And God, it was like 170 people that lost their lives in that thing. I mean, right. he, he, of course, fled the scene. And McVeigh's getaway attempt was one of the shortest in criminal history. It was something like 90 minutes after the bombing they had captured him. And he made a, a couple of critical mistakes. But he was pulled over by an Oklahoma state trooper who realized that his uh, the vehicle that he was traveling in was missing a license plate, uh, you know, on the getaway car. Um, and he was also carrying an unregistered concealed weapon. So, you know, he had a couple of strikes against him right, right. there. Uh, wasn't being too, uh, too inconspicuous and, um, ended up, uh, captured very quickly. But, um, but if you recall, if you were watching television at the time or reading newspapers about, you know, this, uh, this event, this, this whole thing that went down, um, you saw Ryder truck, you know, the brand Ryder truck and, and photos of, of that vehicle in particular from the, uh, right. you know, from the crime scene, um, just plastered all over the place. So a writer, I think, took quite an image hit at that point, uh, you know, right in the mid-1990s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen many writers around, actually, in uh, a while. Well, they're, they're still around, they're still but around. I, I don't see them as often. Yeah, yeah they're, they're definitely still around. I think a rider truck was the type I used to move here to Atlanta. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, huh? yeah. I've, only, I've only used U-Haul. Really? Uh, yeah, I guess I'm just, uh, what, what can I say, man, if it's... Not, oh, by the way, listen to our U-Haul podcast. Oh, right. Oh, man. Oh, Selfless. that's a weird one. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say, "Oh, right. Oh, man, that's a weird one." For that, whenever <laughs> how, that podcast comes out. How about this? Let's use a let's use a different one that a lot of people might not have heard of. And this is uh, this is one that was this was news to me. This happened in 1974. Okay. And there was a driver. Her name was uh, Priscilla Ford. And if you look up information about Priscilla Ford, you'll find you'll find uh, this horrible story about oh, what happened yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'll just read it from this uh, from this um, article here. It says Priscilla Ford had a blood alcohol level of 0.162 when she drove her 1974 blue Lincoln Continental down the streets of Reno on Thanksgiving Day, 1980. She plowed through pedestrians going over 40 miles per hour down five blocks of packed streets before she finally stopped at a nearby red light she drove five blocks usually when we hear about these things it's like um an unintended acceleration type sure, situation yeah, or meant to hit the brake or you yeah a, con- a confused driver or something like that they made the wrong turn ended up in like a street fair or something this lady drove five blocks with that was packed with people she was on the sidewalk for hundreds of yards at a time uh she had, it was intentionally mowing down pedestrians in in reno nevada now, when she's when it was all over, and I can't believe this low total. She had, she had killed six people, but she had injured two dozen other people. The rest of the people were able to get out of the way. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, I know that it's awful that she killed six, but I'm I'm thinking like just six in this five blocks. That's pretty incredible, pretty amazing. She of course was found guilty in this long trial that lasted for for a long, long time. And honest Ben, mm-hmm. this lady was crazy, it absolutely like crazy. It. She, I mean, going back, I looked at a little bit of her history. And some of the claims that she had made, and there's some really, really weird stuff going on in her past. Um, but she was sentenced to death and died in prison in 2005. So she paid for the crime, but it was decades later. And uh, this this blue 1974 Lincoln Continental is uh, is remembered as the vehicle that that uh, she used for this horrible crime. Uh, you know, man, I want to give. I, I don't want to hit the dictator stuff too hard. I just became fascinated with. Uh, t- 
the cars of dictators. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, spoiler alert, they're almost all Mercedes. But there is before we've got to have time for the uh, secret junkyard stuff we talked about. But I have to have uh, one. I have to have one more Benito Mussolini car on here, and that is the Lancia Astura. Oh man, that is a good-looking vehicle. He was. I. I had no idea that Benito Mussolini was a car guy. Me neither. I mean, this is all news to me. I mean, the whole racing angle and everything. I mean, man, maybe maybe we do a. Uh, I hate to say it, we'll do a Mussolini podcast. The cars <laughs> yeah. of Mussolini, probably not. Probably won't do it. How about this? This is this is the only mention of it that we'll do right here. Okay, that's it. Or maybe a, maybe a sidebar here and there. You never know what's going to come up. I, I guess you don't. Now, you've got a few more, right? You know what? Let's laundry list them because I really want to get to the secret junkyard story. So, right. so let's uh, let's just quickly go through these and, and make it really fast. So not a lot of detail, but um, we talked about Ted Bundy's Volkswagen Beetle in the first episode. You know, the, the first one we did a few years ago. Um, he had a second Volkswagen Beetle. So this was uh, one of his cars of choice, apparently. Uh, there was a stolen, or I think it was orange, um, this one. The, the previous one was white, but he had stolen a Volkswagen uh, Beetle uh, in Pensacola, as in Pensacola, I think, when they pulled him over for driving erratically in this vehicle. And uh-huh. that's, uh, that led to his arrest, um, uh, or one of his arrests, I should say. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. 
Another one, another one is, uh, Robert Lee Yates. Uh, he drove a 1979 Ford van and, uh, who's a bad guy? Um, he was caught in 1999 and I think he had 16 victims, a lot of which were done away with in this van and a Corvette that he drove. He also drove a 1977 Corvette. Um, 16 victims between 1975 and 1998. Of course, he's apprehended in 99. Uh, but he was nearly caught in that 1977 Corvette, but, uh, due to a minor misprint on, uh, I guess the police APB or whatever they send out at that time, uh-huh. they were looking for somebody who was driving a Camaro rather than a Corvette and he managed to get away. So he was actually, he could have been caught right then. Wow. Uh, but they let him get away. Now, uh, the next one would be the, uh, the Moore's Murderers, uh, Morris minivan. And this was owned by Ian Brady and Myra Hinsley. And again, they were known as the Moore's Murderers. And this mm-hmm. is awful. They were, uh, they had a, what they said is a pathology of killing and disposing of children in the foreboding Saddleworth Moor outside of Manchester. Wow. And uh, I think they had five, a total of five young victims between 1963 and 1965. Uh, but they made that, uh, that type of van, that Morris minivan, um, kind of synonymous with, uh, with the Moore's murder case. Lonnie David Franklin, uh, who was also, uh, known as the, uh, the Grim Sleeper. Uh, yeah. He operated in a 1977 Dodge van. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the van stereotype, as we hear it's so true. often. Uh, he was a California area killer. He was um, associated with or suspected of having 10 victims between the years of, this is weird, 1985 all the way to 2007. Now, this is strange, because, and they call him the Grim Sleeper because he took a pause of 14 years between murders right. between the years of 1988 and 2002, and that's really, really unusual. It makes him very difficult to catch as well. Right, because um, serial killers typically have a cooling-off period. The difference between, say, a spree killer uh, like Priscilla that we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. or a serial killer is that a spree killer will typically get as many people in as short a time as possible, right, without a cooling-off period. But when we talk about serial killers, there's always some sort of cyclical cooling off. And not to make this too much of a crime show, this is a very dark thing we're about to talk about. But uh, people like Dennis Radar, the BTK killer, Mm -hmm. uh, he had a cooling off period which would have resulted in him never being apprehended if he didn't go back. And then he got so bold as to go back to his old ways of sending clues to the police. Right. And technology had caught up to the point where they could capture him based on the clue that he sent. Right. Uh, so it was right. really, it was, it was really, that's a, that's a fascinating story, by yeah. the way. I mean, it's horrible, horrific, but it's, it's fascinating that he thought he could just pick up where he did several years prior, not understanding how they could trace that back to him now at this point. And there's a question too for these people about the cooling off thing with, and you have to wonder in the case of the Grim Sleeper if this was the same. Apparently, one of the reasons that uh, Dennis Radar was able to uh, abstain from murder so long is because he found another more socially acceptable. I hope you guys can hear the air quotations there. Socially acceptable outlet for his sadism, which is he was animal control. Yeah, weird, huh? Yeah, so maybe the Grim Sleeper was doing something like that. Well, I guess we'll find out, Ben, because uh, he was captured in 2010. The trial was scheduled to begin in June of 2015, but as we're recording this, mm-hmm. uh, his trial was set to be, it was delayed after you know a couple of delays. It was set to begin just yesterday. Right. Yeah, we're recording this on a Tuesday. It was supposed to begin yesterday for our time. Hmm. 
Yeah, you're right. It's strange that it would be so far after the murders, right? Yeah. Yep. And then there's one last one that I want to mention here before we get into the secret What's that? junkyard. The Suzuki Swift of all vehicles, a Suzuki Swift that was driven by a guy named Karst Roland Tates. And he drove this black Suzuki Swift straight towards the, the, uh, the Dutch royal family as they were paraded or paraded down the streets in Holland. It was part of a, uh, a celebration. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was attempting to ram that parade vehicle. And he missed and plowed into the crowd that lined the parade, uh, the parade route. And he killed seven people and injured ten more. And there's video of this happening. There's, uh, there's video of it actually, you know, when it was going down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the attempts to run over and, and apprehend him. And he was, of course, I think he's unconscious behind the wheel. And he died the next day of his injuries from that accident. And uh, so no one ever, ever found out the motive behind this. But, uh, but again, just a horrific thing that happened very recently. Wow. Yeah. So there's a question here. We talked about several, several dark things in U.S. and global history. So it, it always brings us to a question. What happens to these cars? What should happen to these cars? You know, it, it, and it's a profound thing. And I don't think there's ever an absolute right answer for, that will apply to all cases. No, because uh, take take this, for instance, uh, Bundy, Ted Bundy had sold his white Volkswagen to a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we I think we talked about this in the first podcast. Yes. But he had sold his car by the time they figured out who he was and what vehicle he's driving to a teenager who, you know, after he cleaned it, of course, he cleaned mm-hmm. the whole thing out. So it was, it was uh, spotless. But they did find some evidence, I think, later. Um, but he, it had tra- changed hands. So this kid had unwittingly, you know, bought this vehicle from a serial killer. He didn't know, had no idea. But mm-hmm. now the car has been, you know, it's been taken back. And I don't know how that all worked out, but now it's in a crime museum. And uh, such is the case of the D.C. sniper car. That's in a, a crime museum as well somewhere. Um, so these things, they, they have a second life um, in that they can go to someplace like that, a crime and punishment museum or something like that, you know, on display if they have some kind of unusual features like Al Capone's vehicle. Uh-huh. Um, it can be bought by collectors or whatever. But most of them are just ordinary cars that are used for horrific things and they're required to be held as evidence. And that's where the secret junkyard comes in. Ah. And I love this article and I, I encourage you to read it because there's no way we can get through everything that I want to in this in this article. But it's an older article. It's from the Los Angeles Times. And it was written in a long time ago. It was written in uh, 1998. It was mm-hmm. from July 20th of 1998. But this doesn't really change. It doesn't. It's it's going to be the same in 98 as it is now, really. Yeah, it's worth it's uh, it's worth the read. Yeah, it really is. It's called, and I'll give you the title of it so that you know exactly what to search for. But it's called "In Secret Junkyard: Cars Are Reminders of Infamous Crimes." Now, the thing is that this is a uh, a junkyard that you know the police know about. Obviously, the crime technicians know about. Um, some public know about it, but they don't know that they don't know that those cars that they're seeing are necessarily the ones that have been used in these infamous crimes. And, you know, they were used as a, uh, um, a, a trolling vehicle for a serial killer or, uh, you know, the cars that mow down people in crowds or whatever. They're, they're being held as police evidence. So mm-hmm. the idea is that they have to keep the whole vehicle so that if during the court case, they come back and say, uh, we need more samples of the carpet. We need, you know, uh, that door panel to prove the bullet trajectory, you know, that, uh, you know, that it did in fact travel that way or whatever right, the case may right. be. You know, there's a lot of different scenarios here, but the, the, I guess the husk of the vehicle, the hull of the vehicle is left behind after they've taken all the samples. 
So let's say that, uh, you know, they need, oh, this is awful, Ben. Let's say in the case of a couple of these, they need to take the cigarette lighter out because that was used as a torture device by a serial killer. Right, or they have to take more carpet out for a fiber match. Yeah, exactly right. You know, stuff like that, or the seats out because they contain blood stains, or, you know, whatever, DNA samples, all that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. They remove all the stuff that's really critical initially. Of course, that's all protected. It's all inside. This lot that we're talking about, the secret uh, the secret graveyard of of Killer cars, really. Yeah, uh, you know, um, absolutely. Cars of serial killers and, and horrific things that have happened. In these is just left out in in the uh, in the open air, um, and it's not necessarily bad. It's just that they have to hang on to it for a certain number of years, even after the case is considered solved. So that mm-hmm. there's they can't crush them, they can't get rid of them. Of course, they can't be sold. Right. Uh, there's just really it's kind of like a limbo for these cars until they can be destroyed. And and it's the thought of the police that you know. A lot of people would be better off if we would just crush all these cars. You know, we don't have to maintain them. We don't have to keep them around. We don't have to look at them and remember what happened. Yeah. Um, the families of the victims, you know, they're upset by, you know, having that thing still out there. Uh, that's where their, uh, their loved ones met their demise or whatever. It's just a bad reminder. They're just bad, bad vehicles to have around. It's like a bad symbol left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to hang on to these things until they can be crushed. So, you know, they've got cars in this particular lot that they're talking about here. And again, this is in Orange County in, in Los Angeles. A couple of like really standout examples in that crowd of vehicles is, um, a couple of guys that they call the freeway killers. Both of them had the nickname the freeway killer. Right. So for example, there's a, a vehicle, uh, on this lot that was driven by a guy named William G. Bonin. And, uh, he was, of course, known as the freeway killer. And right. Bonin, I think, operated only for, he was active, I guess, as you guys, they call them. Uh, between 1979 and 1980, but this guy, the number of victims that he had was, they, they think anywhere between 21 and 36 or more victims. Many that, of which may just remain officially unsolved. Yeah, exactly, because this guy was executed in 1996 in San Quentin in California. Um, so what, his car is still left behind at this point. This was, uh, this was 1998, so by now that thing has been crushed because they had to wait, I think, three years right. after his death. In order to uh, to make sure that everything was tied up with this whole case, that's the, that's the the legal issue with this whole thing is that they've got to keep them for so many years. And it can be controversial too, because of course uh, survivors or families of victims don't want to keep this thing around as a relic. You can understand why they wouldn't. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting little bit here, and, and this may or may not be intentional. And this is from the article. Uh, there was another vehicle in there uh, driven by Randy Kraft, and Randy Kraft was another guy that they called. Oddly enough, they called him a freeway killer, but they also called him um, the scorecard killer. I think it was another name for him. You know, they, they, a lot of them right. get these nicknames along the way, which eh, you can has, has weirdness about that. But too, it makes but, sense that they called him that. Yeah, I guess so. The number of his, his victims, this is, oh, this is awful. Anywhere from 16 to 67 victims from this guy and alone. From 1971 to 1983, he killed in three different states, California, Oregon, and in Michigan, and uh, he drove a, a like just a faded brown Toyota of some kind, and they found on the floorboards as you know this reporter is going through there. They found a baseball yeah. that had smashed through the window, and it landed on the on the carpet, you know, the floorboards of this vehicle, um, right in the exact same spot where they peeled back um, a piece of the carpet and to, to reveal forty seven photographs of victims. Uh, you know, yeah. of course, that had been discovered long before that, but they were saying. Is this coincidence or not that there's a baseball in here? Was it like just some local kids playing around right. and, and this happened, or was it a victim's uh, family member or was it that a was memento or something? Uh, yeah, or was it uh, or was it a victim's family member who was you know threw this ball at the car and broke a window out of anger? Um, right. You know, so these these things are they're present, they're here. And so this 
so-called secret junk junkyard that you know a few people know about. Um, yeah. Basically, they're, th- this article, the gist of this article is that they're trying to find a new place to locate it because people are starting to find out about it. There have been some scavengers, you know, some people that are there uh, seeking souvenirs of some sort, some kind of macabre right. souvenirs from these vehicles. Yeah, um, so that kind of security has to be necessary. You know, I didn't really – I've never really considered that for a long time, but these sorts of relics are prized by a certain demographic. Yeah, strange to think of a, of a – Calling that a prize because to so many, um, it's something that just needs to be destroyed. It needs to be right. just uh, just put out of sight, out of uh, you know, completely, completely destroyed. Stricken from the record. Yeah, exactly right. Some people feel that they just need to be wiped off the face of the earth. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they shouldn't be around. Um, you know, if I can go see it, it, it shouldn't be there. Just stricken from the book. However, yeah. there's a compelling case that it needs to. These things need to exist uh, because you know, if you think about it. If it, if it offers, if that car still being around offers the chance for another victim's family to have closure, then ultimately you, you have to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly right. And, and, you know, as, as you read this article, and I hope you do go find this article and read yeah. through it, it's, it's pretty interesting. There's a lot more to it than this. And as you read through it, you get the, you get the feeling that even the police officers, they, they really don't like going there it's just a weird place to be because of you know what they know what happened in the vehicles they're familiar with all the cases mm-hmm. um it, it's just like these these awful relics uh left behind and and they they feel that it would just be better off if they could just scrap all of them right so i don't know it's an interesting idea that there are secret junkyards out there and you know that this is just one instance this is los angeles right orange county there's there the there are instances of this all over the united states all over the world really Mm-hmm. And so, so where are they? I mean, are they, are they, have you ever seen one? I'd be interested to find out if you know of a spot in your town that has something like this, you know? Yeah, let us know if you have one, uh, because it's strange when you think about how many secret locations are within an hour's drive of where you are right now, probably. Or, or in plain sight. I mean, this could yeah. be in plain sight and you wouldn't really put it together like, oh man, that It'd is just be uh, another salvage place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might not look at that and say like, that's, that's, you know, Lonnie David Franklin's van there, but you wouldn't guess that. You would just look at it and say that's just a van in a junkyard. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, with some, with some carpet squares missing and, uh, probably no windows and, you but know. who cares because it's a junkyard. Yeah, it's just know? a junkyard, but, but, uh, you know, the special kind of junkyard because they, they keep these separate so that they aren't inadvertently crushed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look around for stuff like this. You might find it. I mean, who knows? And, uh, also let us know if there are some infamous cars that you think other listeners should know about. Do check out our earlier podcast on, on that because now we're, we're pretty deep. We're up into the fifties maybe. Uh, we probably have mentioned at least 50 cars at yeah. this point, infamous cars. And I know that there's so many more out there. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, just another one example, the, the Porsche 918 that uh, Paul Walker was killed in. Oh, yes. That's one right there. Yeah. Um, there's just, it seems like every week there's another vehicle involved in a crime or, uh, somehow infamous. You know, a celebrity owns it or there's a, a, a death in that vehicle that is somehow, mm-hmm. um, makes the news significant in some way. And while we were exploring some of these other crime related topics, we also asked ourselves if we should cover, uh, 
the folklore around ghost hitchhikers like La Llorona or something. Yeah, we uh, were thinking about like uh, phantom cars and stuff right, like that. Right, yeah, yeah. We, which are good for spooky stories, but we, of course, haven't found any evidence proving those things. Um, and we just did a hitchhiking episode, which had some great feedback from you guys, too. Yeah. We're both skeptics on that kind of stuff, you know, but, uh, but this, I mean, these are, these are real world examples. These are, mm-hmm. these are the, the real deal. Yeah. So, uh, that's why we figured this was a, a kind of a fun topic to cover for Halloween. I think. For Halloween you know, it seemed, specifically. It seemed fitting. Right. It seemed fitting. Now, there are, uh, there are other questions this brings up. If you're thinking along this line, you might be wondering, hey, Scott, hey, Ben, what about that story about the smell of a corpse that can't get out of a car? Well, check out our Urban Legends podcast where we have the conclusive answer. Yeah. And you know what? We didn't even we had said that we were going to push into maybe PG-13 area, but uh, we didn't go into much detail in this in this episode. So it might kept, be better that we don't. Well, we kept it light. I mean, so it remained G rated, I think. If you would like to hear a little bit more about auto crime, then you can check out a show Scott and I did on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, where we talk about a dangerous stretch of road in Canada known as the Highway of Tears. Yeah, interesting story, if I do say so myself. And that was, uh, it was fun to do that one with you and, uh, and you know, with Matt, of course. And, uh, man, fascinating tale. I had really hadn't had a chance to dig into that case very much, but, mm-hmm. uh, but now that I have, now that you have, mm-hmm. um, I find it just utterly fascinating. I, I'm continually looking for updates on what's going on with it, and uh, it, it's a great story. So if you get a chance, check out Ben's other show. <laughs> well, it's your show, too. You're on that episode. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, send your suggestions to us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, I think at this point we may still have be having a debate over the Diora and the Aurora. Yeah, the Diora and Aurora. Yeah, right. Uh, two great names for two divisive cars. Yes. Uh, and if you would like to suggest a topic for us or tell us about an infamous car or a secret junkyard, almost a graveyard, that you're aware of, uh, please send, drop us a line. You can talk to us directly. We are our stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you haven't heard, it's a good idea to fit probiotics into your daily routine. Fortunately, Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls make that so easy. These adorable little pearls couldn't be easier to take, and they support both digestive and vaginal health. All because of the probiotics. There are actually 1 billion active cultures protecting against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort. All in one tiny little pearl. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com.